0: Good to see you all. It's uh, good to be—it's good to be home, basically. Okay, so uh, I, I was born in 1973, uh, way back that's 50 years ago now, uh, in January 1973. But from Balnahinch, County Down. Okay, and so that's close enough. To, I'm going to call it home. All right. Uh, my parents are still there, and so when I was coming back from Dublin tonight, I called in, back, got fed, as you do. Still getting fed and watered. Never ends. You always go back to 12 years of age whenever you go home, don't you? It doesn't matter uh, whether you're 50 or whatever age you are. When you go home, you go backwards. And so it's all good. Good to be spoiled. I'm married to Judith. Judith is a pediatric occupational therapist. I'm married 23 years, and I'm still not sure what that is, okay? Uh, But she loves kids, and she uh, looks after them and makes things better for them, okay? That's all I know. Uh, We have four children together. Some of you will know. That's the only claim to fame that I have. They're all the same age, okay? We have quadruplets, and uh, we have three girls and a boy. They're 18, okay? So you can pray for me, and I will pray for you, (laughs) Okay, and uh, you're looking at me going, how's that young face got all (laughs) the... That's right. Okay, and uh, and so they start at university this year. <laughs> Seriously, wow, that's a joke. And uh, anyway, for two in Queens, I've got one in Coleraine Rain, and then Charlotte is still at home in the Dairy Campus in in McGee Dairy, London Dairy. You call it what you what you will. Okay, let's just get that out. they <laughs> there not many, Wall City, Maiden City. Just uh, you, you go for it. Uh, uh, but I, I've, I've, by accident, of course, I may say Dairy in the speed of things. But here, London Dairy. All right, and uh, all right. Moving on. Okay, so with uh, CCI, Christian Churches Ireland, uh, you guys are, are part of that lovely family all across the island of, of churches, like-minded, life-giving churches that are making a difference in the community. And, uh, and we're determined to see every community in on the island have a healthy, life-giving church that loves Jesus, amen, and brings transforming power in His name. He really is the answer, everyone. He really is the best story that's still being told. He's the only God that can do what God can do. We have to believe it. And I I want to commend you as a church, your leaders, uh, Pastor Matt and Athena, what what phenomenal church you are, what a support you are uh, to Sean and myself. When we have Northern events, we host them here, and this team, uh, team here just feed us and look after us. And also, did you know that your pastor is one of our lecturers at our academy, speaking into and raising the next generation of leaders and ministers right across the country? So you guys are invested and for that we are grateful. So I just want to applaud you and bless you guys. Thank you so much for all that you do. All right. Let's go to the Bible now okay Let, let's have a go with the Word of God I want to go to Colossians and it's a brilliant chapter and uh, like and most of Paul's writings you um, read that Romans and Thessalonians and Galatians and all the rest of it they form a pattern okay I'm not going to get into the whole pattern of it but by the time we get to Colossians chapter 3 we hit a portion of Scripture that's profoundly practical so usually what Paul does he he set up the letter that he's writing and he will deal with the problem that he's writing the letter for and then he will deep dive into some theology about Jesus and then and after that, he'll take some time in the letter to apply all of that theology to what he's just said, okay? So the church in Colossae was a new church, it was a vibrant church, it was, it was going places, but it was struggling with some false teaching. So Paul writes a letter. False teaching is right, I'm gonna do a letter. So he starts end of the letter, and by chapter three here, it he gets into the practical stuff of the letter. And I've, I've entitled this talk, It's a New Life. It is a new life, okay? Everyone, here, here is my heart. My heart is to try and encourage myself and you and anywhere I go to to live in the fullness of the call of God that's on your life. I don't want to spend my life just trying to dodge judgment. I don't want to spend my life just trying to, trying to be good and not do bad stuff. I don't want to do the bad stuff, and I definitely want to avoid judgment, amen? But that's not all. That's only half the story. Eh? I, I, I want to live and explore the borders of all that God has for me. I want to know what it is to have prayers answered. I want to know what it is to pray big prayers. If I can serve, I want to serve. If I can give, I want to give. If I can teach, I want to teach. I want to I do all that I can. I want to get to heaven knackered. Amen. I want to get exhausted. I really do. I want to go, I'm out, tap out, please. I got to go. All right, because it's a new life and I want to live in the fullness of my new life. I was reading recently in in Judges where, uh, it wasn't at all, it was Joshua. And Joshua gets into the land, He, he defeats everyone and he gets the 12 tribal elders and he says, here, there's all your stuff. There's your land. There's your land. There's your bit. There's your bit. Off you go. And then you get to Joshua 27 and he's on his deathbed. And the 12 elders are all still there. Which means they haven't gone to the limits and the borders of all that God has promised them. And I don't want to live my life like that for Jesus. If there's a border to be found, I want to get to the edge of it. I'm not going to be right. I'm not going to be perfect. I'll get some things right and wrong. But I just don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to be good. Trying to avoid being bad. Trying to just get through until Jesus tarries. No, no. I want to get to the edge of all that God has for me. He's a limitless God and he's there to be experienced and encountered and embraced in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on, Christianity is not boring. Amen? It's not boring. I'm telling you, it's not boring at all. Honestly, if if your Christianity is boring, it's because you're boring. Anyway. Let's, let's, let's pray, dear Lord. <laughs> right. He's the least boring person there's ever been. The Lord Jesus, he's the Lion of Judah. He's the Lamb of God, but he has many things, but he is not dull. Amen? All right. The Bible says, here we go. Since then, Paul's writing, let's get on with it. You've been raised with Christ. Paul's got baptism in his mind. He says, set your hearts on things above. And the reason you do that, because that's where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God—that's important. It's seated at the place of authority. That's why we set our hearts on the ultimate authority. Lots of things want to be in charge of your life, but the ultimate authority is the one who's seated at the right hand—the right hand, not the left hand—the right hand, power, authority, and dominion. That's where Jesus is. And Ephesians says that you're sitting at His right hand side. Okay. All right. That means you've got authority too. Amen? Oh, come on, we've got to get into it. And anyway, he says this Sit at the right hand of God, verse 2 Set your minds then, because your heart's not enough, we've got to get your head on things above as well, not on earthly things. And here's the reason we do that for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What a life. Verse 4, when Christ then who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory as a result of your new life, as a result of being hidden with Jesus, as a result of being raised again in your own baptism, as it were, you hear what I'm saying? Paul says, verse 5, as a result of those last four verses, what you need to do is kill everything of your old life. So I want you to put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. And you would think that would be enough, but he's got another list coming in a minute. And he says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Here we go, list two. But now you must also, if that wasn't hard enough, rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, anyone ever get angry? three of you. I was angry at an Amazon van last night. I was driving down the road to Ballonhenge and he came out and he did this and he did that. I lost it. i got to be honest. I'm in church. I'm going to tell the truth. I was trying to take photographs to the windscreen of his registration number. I'm trying to Google, how do you report an Amazon driver? That <laughs> was going to get him. You know I mean? Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, you can pray for me. Anyway, Get rid of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. And you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here then, there's no Gentile or Jew. We're all the same. Circumcised, uncircumcised, doesn't matter. Barbarian, Cynthia, slave or free. Here we go. But Christ is all and he is in all. Father, would you help us today? Lord you have brought us in this room by design we may come here every Sunday night but the truth is we've been led here by divine intention you have something in this room that Lord you want us to experience there's something to the song through conversation through this message whatever it is Lord that you need us to hear As you lead us forward in the call of God in our lives. And so Lord, we're not going to remember all this talk. In fact, we might even listen to all of it. But the truth is, there's something you've brought us in the room to hear. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give us the ears to hear. Give us the heart to lean in. And Lord, change us. Lord, change us tonight to be more like Jesus. To embrace all that you have for us. And to move forward in that direction. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let me give you a couple of points and then I am done. Okay. Number one is this. I want to encourage you to live in the world you're in live in the world that you are in I want you to meet a guy here on the screen a guy called Joey, okay this is Joey Silva and in the middle is little baby Luca, his baby son. Now at that stage he was six months old. And this is Cicely, his wife. They are uh, pastors of a phenomenal church in the suburbs of Chicago and uh, called Belmont Assembly. And Joey is part of a cohort of pastors that are coming over to Planting Heaven in, J- uh, in January uh, next year because they want to help us plant more churches all across the island. They're in, they're in, they're going for it, and they've committed resource and time and energy to, to doing that. So we're delighted. And I was over there last, uh, this, in fact this May, and over to meet some of these guys, hang out and do a bit of schmoozing. And I've got no content, but I've got an accent, okay? And that just works wonders in, in America. It's like whatever you want. Honestly, just say words. It, it, it's great stuff. And, and so we were there. And Joey got me up at the airport. And I was preaching at his church. He got me to the airport. And he drove me to the hotel. He kind of organized. And uh, it was novel. that he, he actually followed me into the hotel to wait for me as I got dressed or got, got changed. And then he followed me up into the room. I thought it was a nice touch. And uh, so I'm taking all my stuff into the shower. Okay, I got to get ready, you know, all in the one room. He's, are you okay? Yes, I'm just waiting. Okay. And uh, so he's just there. That must be an American thing. and uh, And off we go, all right. And Joey... The thing about Joey is this, he knows everything about Chicago. So if you were going to Chicago, right, you wouldn't Google it, you would Joey it. Okay, where should we eat? He knows. Where should we go? Joey will know. Is there something new that nobody else knows about? He will know. Where's the best art? He'll know. Where's the best stuff that nobody gets to see? He'll know, that guy. Don't Google it, Joey it. Okay, so if you ever go... Anyway, he gets me back into the car. He says, I'm going to get some food. Let's go. And over the course of two or three days, we visited five countries, all still in Chicago. He took me to Japan in Chicago. We would ramen noodles. Anyone ever had ramen noodles? They put egg in it. They put an egg in it. It's like breakfast with noodles and egg in it, right? And then went to a Puerto Rican place, okay? And I had food and banana leaves. It was fantastic. Went to an Italian place and we had we pasta and stuff. And then went to a Spanish place, right? Went to a Spanish and we had paella. Okay, we had all of that. And it was just fantastic. And then we went to this place here. Take a look at this. Look at this. This is Chicago. But it looks like Mexico. Okay. Mexican flags, archways, all the stuff. And We parked the car a little bit, and we took a walk literally up the street. There's side, there's vendors selling stuff. There are people with the music and the guitars. I am not joking. It, It couldn't be more stereotypical Mexico if it tried. But it's all in the middle of Chicago. So he takes me then to this Mexican kind of restaurant place. All the locals are there. They're all there. Good sign. If all the locals are eating there, wouldn't you say? It didn't looked like much, but it tasted unbelievable. So my mouth is full of tacos. He's just going for it. And I threw my big filled cheeks. I, was, I said this to Joey. He says, man, this is fantastic stuff. And then he turned around to me and he said this, everybody. He says, sure thing, man, I want you to get a flavor of the culture you're in. And it just struck me everyone. What struck me was this. That I could be in two places at the one time. But enjoying the flavor of another place altogether. And this is what Paul is trying to get to in chapter 3. Let me show you the amplified version of, 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 chapter, of, of the first three verses of Colossians 3. He said this. He says, therefore if you've been raised with Christ to a new life. Okay. To a new life. The amplified version makes the ordinary versions louder. Not bigger, louder. You can They shout at you a little bit, okay? It amplifies it, all right? So it, it expands it slightly. And so, to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. This is great stuff and then he says where Christ is seated at the right hand of God then he says set your mind and I love this keep focused habitually on the things above the heavenly things and wouldn't you agree that if there was a time in our life in the world today that we need to keep our focus and our minds and our hearts on the heavenly things this would this would be the moment wouldn't you you say so let's keep focused habitually on the things above not on the things that are on earth which are only temporal in value anyway and here's the big reason for you died you died this world and your new, and I love this, your real life. Your real life doesn't start tomorrow in the real world at work. You're in your real life. Amen? You're in your real life, which is hidden in Christ with God. Paul is saying to the Colossians, and he's saying to you and me, Look, everyone, you've changed. You are, you're different now you can be on earth, you can be at work, you can be in Belfast, you can be wherever you are you can be in Chicago but you can still be in Mexico you can still be in the little heavenly place, you can still be with the Lord and you can still savor the flavor of the culture you are still in he says you're not who you used to be, even though you live in Colossae you live in another world you live in a higher world because of Jesus and I want to encourage you today Because of Jesus, you can feel differently, you can think differently, and you can view the world around you differently. Why? Because Jesus has touched your heart, and he's touched your mind. Your heart and your mind are the ethical and moral center of who you are. That's why in election time next year, would you believe another election? That's a big one. It's a general election. Here we go again okay and what you will hear over the news time and again it will be a battle for hearts and minds it'll be hearts and they talk about hearts and minds because they know that your decision center is known as your heart and mind so when Jesus has your heart and when Jesus has your mind what happens is that Jesus becomes the filter through which you view life And as a result of viewing life through faith we can make better ethical and better moral decisions we can live more in line with the word of god am i making sense here's why this works who says boys can't play with dolls can you all see this you see this table okay now please don't email pastor matt tomorrow this is for illustrative purposes only this is the father this is god okay now we know he's not okay but just to help us all right now inside here Jesus. Look at that. there he is okay there's Jesus and inside there is you that's just you that's you and me if you're a follower of Jesus this is you okay and I want you to watch this this is where the Bible says you are he says your new life not your old life that's gone that's dead but your new life Your new faith, your new adventure, new eternity, new everything, the new you, the new creation you. The Bible says it is hidden in Christ and the Bible says who is in God. Do you see where you are? trying to find a way how can I let the church in Colossae know just how wedded they are to Jesus how can I what word could I find to let them know that they've died with him they've risen with him they have his mind they have his spirit they have his anointing they have his calling they have his mission they have his message what word could I tell Christians tonight in Belfast that it could could kind of get close to how tight and together they are with I know the Word, and the Word is hidden you 're completely hidden with god, and if that 's not good enough, when you know what when the Lord tries to look at you, who does He see? He sees Jesus when you know what when you think of your sin god can 't see your sin because of who does He see? He sees Jesus, the enemy can't get through to you. The world can't get through to you. They cannot get near you because your life is hidden in Christ who is in God. That's where you are. You're not back in 1973. You're not back in 1968. You're not back in 1989. You are in 2023 and your life, your real life, your new life, your anointed life, your eternal life is hidden with Christ who is in God. God. Amen. That's, that's where you are. That's where we live. That's where we live. We're so close to it. So I want to encourage you. Let's change our filter of how we view our life. It is so easy and I've done this and I'll do it again. I'm, sure, I'm quite sure my own humanity, but it's so easy to get to a stage in life where we look through life through pessimistic eyes. We look through abandoned eyes or abused eyes or betrayed eyes. Do not raise your hand, please. But has anyone ever been abandoned or offended or betrayed or something? That's everyone. And if it hasn't happened to you yet... And sometimes the trauma is so severe and so real and so up close and so personal, it becomes a filter through which you view everything. You view the news, you view good news, you view the church, you view faith, you view prayer, all through the lens of what has happened to you and all the brokenness. and Even through the sense of shame, perhaps of the things that we've done in life, we look through those lenses. But the Bible says that in Jesus... Your life, your new life, is hidden in Christ who is in God. And that means he now is the lens. He is the view. It is the lens of faith that looks at the church. It's the lens of faith that looks over your marriage. It's the lens of faith that looks over the prodigals. It's the lens of faith that looks over your past. It's the lens of faith that looks over your future and says, Lord, because of you, I have Our future. Why? Because my life is hidden in Christ. Is in God, amen? Isn't it something? Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't he wonderful? Come on, it's a new life, everybody. It's a new life. We're not just going to spend the rest of our life just getting to glory, just trying to make sure that someone else is paying for your sins, or you're trying to pay for your own sins, even though Jesus took the cross. Come on, let's live in our freedom. Let's live in the liberty. Give Jesus the reward of his suffering, and let's live free and move forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. The second thing I want to talk about is this. I want to know, what's your turkey called? It's getting near Christmas. (laughs) Have you given your turkey a name yet? Please don't, you'll never be able to eat it. We're eating Harry, you know, know, it doesn't quite work. About a month ago, Judith and I went back to Chicago and the kids are older, as I just said, they're kind of, they flew the coop and uh, most of the time, they're back at weekends and then they come back and it's chaos for 48 hours and then they go again. And uh, so she came with me, she some a little bit more time, and so we travelled together on this one, and part of the trip this time was to go off on a, like a pastor's retreat thing. Show, show the picture, there you go, right? And we, we went to a place, um, Lake Michigan, you kind of fly over that to go into, into O'Hare and into Chicago. Up the side of it, on, on the Michigan State, there's a little place called South Haven, okay? South Haven reminded me of... Do you know those kind of New England photographs you see, you know, of the burnt sort of leaves and trees that kind of autumn me and kind of that there, right? It, and. It was early one morning, we stayed in a and b there was eight or nine of us or ten of us, and we stayed in an Airbnb thing, and I couldn't sleep, because you, know, you can't sleep when you're over there, you know. And up early at six o'clock, I thought I'd go for a run, okay. Now, Belfast, whenever I say I went for a run, I went for a forward-leaning walk, okay, just with a little bit. It was more that, okay. You can tell I was taking pictures, not running, so, you know, it kind of gives it away. You see this mailbox here, letterbox at 280, okay. You see you see a blob just onto the right-hand side of the road there, on up a little bit at the horizon, where it kind of narrows in. I'm running along here and I'm thinking, "Oh, oh, it looks like ducks, a couple of geese. I had never seen, Matt. I've never seen American geese. And I wondered, were they Canadian geese? Were they European geese? Not that I have any idea from one goose to the other, okay? I have no idea. I'm not sure how I would have known. But I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. You're away from home. Wildlife, whatever. As I get closer to this thing, I realize that it was not one of them. There was two of them, and they were not geese, everybody. They were this. Two wild turkeys. You can take that photograph off, because look, oh, right. You can go back to that, that's it, wonderful. And um, and I've never ran past wild geese before. I'm from Eglinton, there's no wild geese. There's wild people, but there's no wild geese. And uh, and so i like, right, okay, well, this is, could be fun. I'm trying to Google wild geese or wild, duck, wild turkeys, whatever they are, turkeys. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, that's going to be new. And uh, as I'm... Coming up alongside them, one did nothing, just pecked away at the road. But there was one from the Bronx. <laughs> he had a he had a different kind of sort of accent on him. How you doing? You know, kind of kind of harder, kind of tight, you know what I mean? He'd, he'd lost a couple of feathers in his fingers, love and hat, lost a finger, you know? Just kind of tattooed, didn't shave, uh, kind of, you know, just uh, aggressive, tight, big lad. Went to the gym. And uh, he comes over to me. <laughs> I'm running, like, this, is not even, this is not even funny. He comes over to me and you know, I'm like, well, he's not coming for a chat probably. And so he comes up behind me and he's about there. And I'm like, what do he do? Is he following me? Is he going to attack me? Is he going to bite me? What do he do? And so I thought, well, I'll test if he's following me. I'll go onto the road, and I'll know if he comes onto the road with me that he's following me. Good plan. I go onto the road, praying casting every turkey demon and just like, and I look behind me and lo and behold there he was, I'm on the road, he's behind me and I'm thinking oh no maybe the two of them will come after me now and I come back onto the the, the footpath and he comes back on and it's in my head of course I didn't feel this but I could almost sense his breath on the back of my leg and I'm thinking what? What am I going to do? And so I thought I'd go for a, a right foot heel shoe, right? Just out you here, you know? And I was just, get away there on there. Way home now. Just that's enough, you know, of kind of talking to it like it's the dog, you know? And, uh, and he's like, is that the best you got? And he just keeps coming after me. And I'm like, oh, for dear sake. So I get to the, right at the very edge of that photo, right at the horizon, just down right was where the house was. And I'm thinking, I can't bring this thing into the house. Call me old-fashioned, you know, but the only turkeys I bring into the house don't look like that. They're kind of bald and basted and, you know. And I'm thinking, right, what are we going to do? And I have had this thought, do turkeys eat humans for Christmas? Is he getting his own back? I mean, what, what's happening? So I thought, I'm going to have to do something here. So everybody, I, I just kind of turned around at the thing, right? And I kind of made myself big. And I went, ha. <laughs> if, if anybody had a seen this Irishman, rah! And the turkey just went. Oh! <laughs> and away he went. And he went off the other side. And I'm thinking thank you Lord. And i went into the house to tell the boys. And the, the girls. I just got assaulted by a ten foot turkey. And they rushed out of the house. And there was no turkey to be seen everybody. And they still to this day. Do not believe me okay. And they now nick me the, the, the wild turkey. On the whatsapp group. It's not even fair. In Psalm team. We meet David recalling a story of being chased by another turkey. This turkey was King Saul. And Saul was chasing him for one reason or another all the way through the desert. And he's chasing and chasing and chasing. And in Psalm 18 he records how David turned around to his enemies, made himself big and went ha. And he writes it this way. He says, Psalm eighteen thirty-seven. he says, I pursued my turkeys, my enemies, and I overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. And I love it. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They could not rise. They were never coming back, everyone. They fell beneath my feet. And what I want to encourage you with today is this, whether it is a turkey, whether it is an army, there will be always something of your old life, of your past, something behind you that's always trying to nibble at you and to take you out and to taunt you and to remind you and to tempt you and to tease you and to do all of those things and to try and gain dominance in your life. And what we need to do with the strength that we have and in our hiddenness in Christ is to turn around with the power of God and the Word of God, make ourselves big by faith and go, ha! Here's how Paul puts it in the message. In verses 5 through 9, Colossians 3. And he says, that means killing off your turkeys. Whatever your turkey's called, your turkey could be promiscuity, your turkey could be called impurity, it could be called lust, or doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it. He says, that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of a life that's shaped by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God's about to explode in anger. Paul says, look, it wasn't that long ago. This was your life. This was the old you. But we're learning, Paul says, there's a new you... And the new you is so wedded to Jesus, you're so hidden in his death, you're so hidden in his life, all of that doesn't suit you anymore. How could you go back to it? And then he goes on and he says, you're better now. So make sure it's all done for good. Get get rid of it, bad tempering, irritability, more turkeys, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another, you're done with that old life. Anyone of painting clothes? You keep in the garage. Any fellas? you got old painting clothes you bring out when you have to go and paint something. You'd never wear them in public, would you? I got painting clothes on yesterday. Size 36 waist. They're hanging. There's knees coming out of them. My phone's coming out of them. They're flipping wrecked. Jumpers pulled apart. Paint splatters everywhere. I'd never wear them to church. And sometimes you hear the metaphor in our old lives. We, we, we go back, we get tempted and we, we put the old paint clothes back on. The clothes of our old life and the old habits and the old scars and the old thinking. And Paul says, they don't fit you anymore. It's time for some new painting clothes. You've got new clothes. You're wearing his clothes because your life is hidden with Christ who is in God. What's your turkey called? Don't shout out. Please don't shout out. But let me level the whole rooms. All of us have a turkey. All of you in the room, including the one at the front. All of a turkey we're dealing with, or two. So let's all just level up. But in Jesus, who's up for a fight? Here's how the Amplified Version puts verse 5. He says, so put to death. You do it. Don't ring him. Don't get another book. Stop with the prayer meeting. Stop with the thing. You do it, Pastor Matt I need help, no you don't, you do it because your life is hidden with Christ who is in God. You have all the power, all of the authority, you have all, you've got all the status, all you've got to do is make yourself big in God and go, no. He says put to death, and I love this, deprive of power. What's implied with that deprive of power? What I get from that is that lust and anger and all of these things have power. Paul wouldn't tell you to deprive the thing of power if it didn't have power. So these things have power. Anyone ever have a bad mood? Let's have a little survey. Anyone ever have a bad mood? Hands up if you have a bad mood. That's everybody. Even those who are just, I'm not putting my hand up, it's church. We have a bad mood. And then you come out of the bad mood, don't you? And you remember the version of you in the bad mood. And you don't know yourself. Sure you don't. And you walk away going, what just happened? What did I say? My point is this, that stuff has power. It changes how you think, changes how you see the world. All, And that's just one thing. Malice and anger, and all the words we speak, and lust. So, and, and honestly, it's so. Can it be real? Scrolling through stuff on, on the internet, on the www.watchyoureyes.com. There's flesh everywhere. And if you stop on that, the algorithm thinks you want to see it. So then it, it puts your feed and it just puts more of that stuff on. And it's like, ah! <laughs> I know not know. That stuff is power. The instant thrill of that rushing through your, your system. And it just leads to worse and more. And I don't need to go through it. But because of Jesus. And because your new life. Is hidden with Christ who is in God. But we're different now. We have the power. And we have the authority. And we have the anointing To turn around and go. So when temptations rise, I'm going to put it to death. When I want to have a wee gossip, anyone love a gossip? Oh, don't you lie to me. It's fantastic. know what gossip is? Oh, oh, it's knowing something nobody else knows. It's like a we part trip, isn't it? When I tell this, people will think I'm connected and I'm in the know. So I'm going to, and they'll think I'm brilliant. Only for prayer, Marjorie. Only for prayer, Billy. I I want you to know it's only for prayer, but did you hear? (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing too hard. Come on, I know the crack. Seriously, when that little begins to rise in you, ha! When the screen, and you're flicking through, and there he is, or there she is, and all the rest of it, ha! Let's move that on. We want to talk ill of our spouse. Ah, We're not doing that. We're going to kill that off. That's the old life. We don't want to cheat and lie and do whatever. No, no, no. Even if we're the only one at work. Ah, No, we're going to deprive that of power. We're going to live differently because we see differently. Because our lives are hidden with Christ who is in in God. Amen. I want to live. And, And here's the thing. I don't want to just go through life not doing stuff. You understand? I want to go, that that's my baseline. That's where we start. I want to move in then to know, well, Lord, what is it we want to do? I want to worship, and I want to give, and I want to pray, and I want to help, and I want to bless, and I want to build. I want to do. I want to leave that, but I want to move into the fullness of what you have for me. And I know you do too. And the final thing is this, and then I'm out. It's a little video. Anyone ever seen this, a guy called the Pebble Picasso? I hadn't either, okay, until until I come across this. Are are you ready, big man, to show the video? Just go ahead. What is ten seconds? Have a look at that. But he's put it on like a, he's glued it onto a little mirror and then on the back of it, turn it over, and it's another face. I mean it's genius. I used to go to Torella with while bucket and spade. <laughs> when I look at this, everyone, i worship team, you want to come back up? You're free to come back up. When I look at this, everybody, what, what I see is what happens when we allow, when we agree with God, when we allow God to get. His hands on our lives. God takes all the the pebbles, all the scattered bits and the chipped bits, and the bits that others have walked over and left in the sand, all the broken bits, all the big stones, and all the wee stones that only trip you up but nobody would see. Of your life. Because how many people know it doesn't happen in a minute? I'd love to be perfect, but I and God knows it. He's made me perfect while He's still making me perfect. Amen. And He gets all that. He gets all the pieces. And at the end of it, He puts together this version of you, which is the Eden version of you. And let me show you how. In verse 10, Paul says this, and you've put on your new self, and it's strange just how he puts this in here, but it stood out to me, and he says, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, creator. this is historically a verse that I would have looked at and read over because it sounded complicated. But when I was preparing this talk, I just, it kept coming through, I just, it's really, you know what it kind of stands out, if you ever do a Bible study, God sometimes highlights a little verse or a word that kind of illuminates what it's called, and the word creator here everyone is significant, and what Paul wants us to do, he wants to take us back to the garden. There's something in this that connects us to the beginning of time and to the creation of humanity. There's something in the newness of what Jesus literally does with you that connects you to the star of time. Paul wants us to see that Adam and Eve, who are our, if you like, earthly representatives in a way, they were at the beginning, they were created morally and ethically pure. They were made in the image of God, that's what the image, we don't have God's, God doesn't have a face in that way, we see God in Jesus, amen, but you know what I'm saying, we are made in the nature of God. In the beginning Adam and Eve, they were morally and ethically pure everyone, they were selfless, they were holy, set aside for the purposes of God. They were righteous. They were called. They they lived in humility and humanity and they lived in purity and they lived equipped for purpose. They knew what they were, who they were. They knew why they were there and they, they walked the earth in the coolness of the day with the Lord. Not a dream. And that was how it was meant to be. They lived in the image of God, not in His looks, but in His nature. And then we know the story. The fall happens, everyone, and it distorts the ability of humanity from that day all the way to now to fully carry the image of God. To know fully what it means to live in that Eden version of who we are. And then Jesus comes. And what Jesus does, He pulls all the pebbles and He begins to place them into the order of Eden in our lives. From a place of selflessness and a place of purity and wholeness, and we never get the fullness of it until we get to glory. But from this moment onwards, the the way the kingdom has come forward into this present age, he he moves some things around and he heals us here and he restores us there and he he rewires our thinking and he rewires our heart and he rewires our perspective and he supercharges our gifts and he takes some of those things away and he removes the the power and the penalty of sin and he doesn't allow the trauma of the past to manipulate our future anymore and he silences the voice of the enemy so the charges and the screams and the taunts of the devil no longer have any place in our future because our life is hidden in Christ who is in God. Paul is reminding the young church and he's reminding living hope. Living hope. What a name of a church you are. Living hope. Not any ordinary hope. It's a living hope the thing that makes it a living hope is Jesus and he reminds the church and he reminds you that because of Christ in us we are a new creation say it in your spirit I am a new creation I don't care if you feel it I just need you to receive it you're a new creation we have been reconnected back to Eden And as we do life with Jesus, as we walk a little bit closer with Jesus, as we surrender to Jesus, as we, let's stop living for Jesus and let's start dying for Jesus to make more room in the place we create for Him to fill so He can arrange our lives in this Eden version that He died and rose again to give us. So that we can move in greater anointing, so we can move in greater authority, so that we can move and show the world a better way to live. The world is screaming for something authentic and the world needs a church that is prepared to stand on what it believes and declares above all else, His name is Jesus. We need a church to guide you, you are this church. So I want to encourage you today, this takes a lifetime and it never really will be fully consummated until eternity, but I want to encourage you please, let's put our new self Into his hands. Let's see with fresh eyes just where we are. Oh, you're so right. I want to see you go to work tomorrow. I think some of you are going to walk into work tomorrow with a whole new. Oh, yeah. Just get out of my way or I'm walking over you. Not today, devil. Not tomorrow. Not Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and the end of next week. No, no, no. I'm going to make myself big in the faith and the Word of God. I see where I am. Oh, I'm surrounded. You you can't see what surrounds me, but I know what surrounds me. And I know what surrounds Him. Oh, that's better still. I'm believing for your marriages. I'm believing for your kids. I'm believing for your breakthrough. I'm believing for provision. I'm believing for your healing. I'm believing for this church. I'm believing for every single box. There's a soul here. There's a soul in this box. What looks like sweets and attracting attract and a thing, it's not. There's a home in this box. There's humans in this box. There's hurt in this box. There's a desire for hope in this box. And you guys are going to get together on Friday. Get in here on Friday. Get these boxes out. Amen. It's going to be so exciting. Come on, let's stand again. Pray for you. And Pastor Mal, come back up. Maybe we'll sing a song and then you get up at the end. Is that it? Or whatever. Come on, let's open up our hands, everyone. If you're comfortable, please forgive me. If, if you're not, not your thing, that's fine. But if you're comfortable, open up your hands. Let me just say this. When you open up your hands, it's two things. Number one, it is a sign of surrender. Come on, you're, look at your hands. Look at them right now for me, really quickly. Nothing in them. Keep it that way. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I walked in here just trying to be good in my own strength. But I've learned today that because my life is hidden with Christ in God, that I can just stop living just in the fear of judgment, but I can start embracing that, absolutely. But Lord, I can begin to move forward in my faith. That I can begin to explore what it means to be a Christian what it means to give and to be a blessing and to speak well and to live well and to show the world there's a phenomenal way to live and His name is Jesus. I wanna live in that please. So Lord, I surrender, I surrender all my ways. I surrender my thinking, I surrender my striving. I surrender, Lord, my, my feelings this week. I, Lord, I wanna confess some sin. Lord Jesus, I, you know my turkey list. Lord, I got a, I got a hen house full of turkeys. And I confess them to you tonight, Lord. Lord, you know I get angry. You know, Lord, there's lust. You know, Lord, me late at night just scrolling through. Everybody goes to bed. Lord, Lord, I confess that. We're ending that, Lord Jesus. We're going out of that. We're putting that to death. You know, Lord, sometimes how I speak about my husband, how I speak about, oh, we're ending that. Lord, do you know how, how Lord, sometimes I forget to pray for the kids, the weak kids that used to love you, but have left the Lord. And Lord, how, I wonder you promised me years ago that they would come back. Lord, and I've been trying, and every time they're in the house, I do their head in. I'm surrendering them, Lord, to you. Because my life is hidden with Christ who is in God. And then the second thing, everyone, with an open hand, is this posture of expectation. It's to posture to receive. I wouldn't dare dream at all trying to squeeze God into one word to describe him. But if I would try and I would feel, but I would go with this, he's a giver. For God so loved the world that what he, he gave us one and only son, he's a giver. And so Father, we stand here, Lord, in our humanity, in our frailty, but we are surrounded and elevated in Jesus. And we stand here, Lord, asking you for more more of your presence lord more of your nature more of your goodness more of your glory in our lives so in turn lord we can respond and live for you and give praise to you and give glory to you and give honor to you in the fullness of who you are lord may our life from this moment on from this night the 20 whatever it is of november 2023 oh we're not even waiting to christmas we're going to start now lord may this moment Be the night, the light of the sand night that I just say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Will you lead me again into new adventures? Lord, I've been hurt in the past, but I'm choosing to trust you. Lord, I've been betrayed before, but I will trust you. Church has let me down, but I will trust in you. That my neighbor said this, but Lord, I will trust in you. My husband walked out, but I will trust in you. My wife left me, but I will trust in you. That person wasn't healed, Lord, I don't know why, but I choose to trust in you. Oh, some of you, come on, let's come back to the Lord. Lord, I pray right now, right around the room, by your wonderful spirit, would you restore some joy, the joy of our salvation would just flood this room, would flood hearts in this room, that people would leave this building, Lord, elevated, and then walk out of this room and go, I feel as light as a cloud. Restore, Lord, the joy of your salvation to your people. And I pray, let us see. Oh, come on, let us see, Lord, the strength you've given us when the enemy tries to taunt when the temptations come whatever the turkey is when they try to nibble up and bite at our feet we will turn around like David we will front our enemies they will get under our feet and we will crush them and they will never rise again and we ask it in Jesus name hey come on let's just say standing and I say this everywhere I go to speak about the final song the final song, everyone, is so important to me. I want to tell you why. I like to call it the sealing end song. We get home, oh, I gotta do the lunches for, oh, what's work tomorrow? Oh, that's, I've been putting that off, that's tomorrow. It's kind of the last run to Christmas, so you know it's gonna be busy, don't you? Pastor, gonna be busy. Christmas in church. And you can forget this. Here's what we say. We say things like, when I get back into the real world, up. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the real world into your world and see the difference you're going to have this week. Amen. So let this song be your response. Let this song be where the Holy Spirit seals in. Here's what I want you to do. I want to invite you through this song to step into the sermon. Make this sermon yours. Just where you are. You can stand, you can sit, you can raise your hands, you can sit like this, whatever is comfortable for you. But in this moment, forget about this. The one, that, forget about that one. The tea's coming. It's grand. Maybe there's no tea. I don't care. It doesn't. We don't need tea. Whatever it might be, just make this moment yours. And ask the Lord to seal this word in whatever part you've come. Whatever part was just for you, Lord, seal this in. Lord, make it my own. I'm going to step into this talk.